This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, for the podcast once again today on these Wednesdays. Sean Bolson. Uh, joins us. He's on the telephone with us uh, this morning, Sean. And while the wild season is underway, uh, they pick up a win last night in Montreal, um, but kind of got slapped around by Toronto. Two and one on the season, uh, off to a bit of an uneven start, but Marc-Andre Fleury returns to Montreal. He gets the win there. Their power play looked terrific last night. Yeah, they did. And, you know, you got two shorthanded goals from two guys that uh, you don't necessarily expect uh, scoring from also with uh, do him and do her, and then you get Erickson Eck with a couple and Kaprizov, and you know, I mean, that's that's what we're expecting from you know those top guys. And you know, we we beat Florida to start the year, kind of get hammered around uh, some. You know, Toronto's about as good an offensive team as you're going to face. You yeah. know, lose what seven four, and then yep. you know, went on the road last night. So um, you know, we're just hoping that you know that two out of three. You know, uh, that's a okay start for him and you know you got a couple injuries boldy's injured you're going to have injuries in the nhl all year like you do in most sports but yeah you know getting off to a decent start and, and we'll see what the next couple weeks bring and see what kind of tone they set for the year yeah no doubt and and uh you know after the game uh Everson talked about how kirill kaprizov wasn't very happy after two games he didn't think that he had played very well uh so he came out on fire in uh, last night's game, uh, does the team kind of go according to how Kaprizov goes? Well, I think he definitely st- sets a spark for him. You know, it's, he, even last night he did a couple things. I don't know if you saw he got down, you know, by the goal line in the left uh, left corner, and, you know, he fires it at the net. The goalie has to make an awkward save, and the puck laid there, and Erickson comes in and, and, and didn't tap that one in. But just the things that Kaprizov can do with the puck, without the puck, uh, you know, moving – uh, through the neutral zone, finding dead ice, just the things he's able to do, you know, it really it does spark your team because he can do some things that are just flat-out special and, you know, makes everybody around him better, makes everybody around him go a little more. And when he's going, yeah, I definitely feel like the team gets going too. I, I think it was a good move to to make, uh, you know, the goalie change to go with Gustafson as the number one with Flurry, you know, advancing in age. I mean, this could be his last season. He's, what, 38 or 39 uh, years yep. old, you could really see the best of Marc Andre Fleury as the number two with fewer games in the Nets. He should be fresh each night. He looked good last night. He did, and you know this was probably the last time he was going to play in front of his hometown folks. There's yep. a chance that's the last time he's in Montreal. I saw at the end of the game they gave him the number one star, and you know he got the standing ovation from everybody. But yeah, I mean, you know, Father Time catches up with everybody, and I think he can still be a really effective goalie if used in a spot where. You know, Gustafson takes, you know, the majority of the games and, and Fleury's able to rest his body and come in because we know he's a consummate pro. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He knows how to get it done. It's just a matter of his body letting him do it. And, and this might be a really good spot for him where he's able to uh, be fresh when he goes in and then, you know, perform at the highest level that he's able to at this point. Yeah, no doubt. They're kind of banged up here early in the year. They actually were a, a man short uh, of their active roster. They only had 19 players last night. Rather than 20, the NHL, I guess, makes them play shorthanded one game before they allow them to expand their roster further than what they have. So, uh, you know, they're off to a tough physical start. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to win 2-1 and one, despite playing shorthanded last night without enough skaters, uh, you know, pretty good job done. 
It is. And you know, Montreal is one of those, uh, you know, original six franchises. You go yep. in there, there's always, uh, it's always an exciting uh, place to play, and especially when your goaltender is, uh, you know, a, a, a local legend there. And so, uh, yeah, they did a good job getting out of there with a win, and, and now uh, let's set the tone for the next couple weeks moving forward and really cement to where we're not this team that's hovering around 500 and we can get off to a nice start and, and, and play well and put up some W's. Did you feel uh, good or bad about the Vikings' win against the Bears? Well, it wasn't very impressive. No. I mean, what we've talked about, you know, taking care of the ball, being efficient, you know, we didn't really do many of those things at all. No. Um, I wasn't I wasn't impressed with it. And then, you know, the, at the end of the game when the backup quarterback comes in and all of a sudden I, I'm sitting there watching and, and he there's a chance for him to lead him to a game-winning drive, I'm like, what is going on here? So, uh, no, I wasn't overly impressed. We needed to win, but if I look forward, you know, this this week is going to be tough, but you have McCaffrey, Debo, Samuel, and, and uh, they're right, I think, is it Williams, Trent Williams? Yep. Um, one of the best linemen in football. All are questionable if they're going to even play. Yep. Uh, Niners coming off a, you know, a, a disappointing loss in Cleveland, probably going to be pretty hungry, but... Uh, after this game at the Bengals is the only one that you'd call a game that you wouldn't expect to win. So if we could get through these next couple weeks, you know, and, and win the games we're supposed to win, we're still going to be there at the end. But the problem is when we're going to compete against these high-level teams, if we're playing like we're playing now, you know, turning the ball over and just not looking great, we're not going to go anywhere anyway. So we definitely need to make some strides against these uh, teams that are winnable in the next, you know, month and a half. Yeah, that's for sure. Once they get past the San Francisco game, yeah, it's uh, McCaffrey and Debo Samuel up in the air, I guess, kind of day-to-day situations uh, for San Francisco. They they did have an MRI on McCaffrey, and he did avoid a serious injury. So uh, it was possibly he could have been placed on IR after the uh, physical test, but that didn't happen. The Vikings would be, they, their chances would certainly be better without McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and and uh, Trent Williams, who's maybe the best left tackle in the game. A couple of years ago, I was screaming for the Vikings to sign him as their left tackle, but then they drafted Darasaw instead, and he's been fine uh, at that position. But for the Niners, uh, you know, uh, the Vikings just, they came with the pressure. They blitz more than any team in the NFL, and we saw Brock Purdy kind of struggle with that against Cleveland. When Cleveland put pressure on, although they're able to do it with just their front four for the most part, they're just ferocious up front. Purdy looked pretty average. Uh, he didn't look like uh, uh, possibly being the MVP conversation this last week. So with the Vikings blitzing and putting pressure on, hopefully that'll have an effect. It should have an effect, but the problem is how many people do we have to use to do it? Yeah. And how many of our you know, secondary do we leave on an island, and, and are they able to beat us with that? So I think that's going to be the key. If we can get pressure and not have to bring the house every time, I think we're going to be successful. If we do have to bring you know, seven guys, you know, eight guys at times, you know, we saw that this last week, Uh, you know, uh, yeah, if you can get there, it's all great. But if they pick it up and he's able to get the ball out and we can't defend on an island, we could be in trouble. So it's kind of a catch-22. I would like to see us, you know, definitely get pressure because as we've talked, quarterbacks become a lot less accurate when uh, they're pressured. And Purdy's showed that, you know, like a lot of quarterbacks do. So, yeah, to get pressure, um, you know, is one thing. To score points against their defense, that's another thing. So we get a couple, uh, couple hills that we're going to have to climb to be able to get out of this game with a W. Um, if they're banged up, you know, we have a chance. If they're fully healthy and everybody's there, it's going to be a really, really 
tough game for us. You know, I didn't really know who Marcus Davenport was before the Vikings signed him. Uh, they talked about how he has injury issues, but when he plays, he is a dynamic pass rusher. We've seen exactly that. When he's on the field, the Vikings pass rush is a lot better. They don't have to blitz uh, quite as much, but now he has a high ankle sprain, might be headed for injured reserve after playing about two and a half games uh, with the Vikings. He's injured again, which is his career uh, history. That That's a loss for the Vikings if they don't have Davenport opposite Daniil Hunter, who's having a defensive player of the year kind of season. Yeah, and Davenport is very impactful. I don't think I knew how good he was either. Yep, yep. When he's in there and you know he shows glimpses of, wow, it'd be nice to see him every down like this, but that's just not realistic because he is dinged up all the time. So yep. they're going to need the guys that are in there to step up and try to do what he does. And, you know, I don't know if their talent level is at, you know, where we need it to be, but that defensive line has got to be a little bit more impactful in the games. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the talent level. Uh, of course, I talk with uh, Jim Suan every day, and his column most recently was about the fact that so far – Quasi Adolfo Mensa doesn't have a very good grade for bringing in talent uh, in terms of the draft as well as some of the free agent uh, signings. Uh, so somewhat critical of uh, Quasi, uh, especially with his two drafts that he has conducted. They just haven't gotten quite enough uh, out of those draft picks so far. No, we haven't. And, and you know, the glaring ones, the Lewis scenes, yep. uh, you know, he just hasn't been great. He, he, he's really put him in a spot where we need those folks with who leaves the team, you know, through free agency, who we're unable to resign, we need these guys to step up. And that has not happened at this no. point, um, especially on the defensive side. So we're going to need to score some points. We all know J.J.'s down. Uh, you know, Addison, the rest of that crew is going to step up. Hawkinson has to step up. Uh, you know, it would be nice to get the running game going. It's really tough to look at that San Francisco D-line and say, we're going to try to establish the run out of the gate because – I mean, they're flat out good. They're really good. Yep. And uh, we're going to have to hold an offense down that, you know, if if they're minus their players, you know, could we possibly do it? Yeah, but then we're going to have to find a way to score against a really good defense. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and uh, so the Vikes uh, are 2-4 and four on the season. There's a lot of conversation on chat boards and so forth. Uh, I don't like to see a team lose to get higher draft picks. I'm, I'm not in favor of tanking for my teams. I see other teams do it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, where are you with the Vikings? Are you uh, still pulling for them to win as many games as possible and maybe uh, sneak into the playoffs? Or are you in the camp of, you know, if they lose more games, it's okay because we get a higher pick and maybe, uh, you know, can, can do better in the draft next time? Uh, you know, I, I want to see him win games. Yeah. I, I think the draft, you know, the draft is big. You do get good players. But you look at Carolina. I mean, they take Bryce Young. I don't think anybody thinks Bryce Young's going to be this quarterback of the future. Mm. And you look at what they went through to get him. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you go back to the Peyton Manning-Ryan Leaf deal. Yep. You know, they both were can't-miss quarterbacks. Peyton Manning ends up being a Hall of Famer. Ryan Leaf ends up being a bust. Yeah. Um, you know, so you tank games uh, to, to get a pick that you really don't know how it's going to turn out with, you know, Quasey's picks, I mean, even puts a little more doubt in our mind because he hasn't shown that he's a, a, a drafting guru. Right. So I just think, you know, you're going to, this is going to be a tough week. You know, even if you go to two to five, two and five, I mean, with what, we have 10 games left. Yep. And then you have one game at Cincinnati that you'd say, you know what, that one's going to be really tough, but you got a bunch of winnable games. Yep. So 
you get in the playoffs, you never know what happens. I'm not in favor of tanking for it. Yeah, um, yep. So, you know, I just say you go ahead with what you have and, and you try to coach them up. You try to get better each week and, and see what it brings. So you mentioned the schedule twice, and you've only mentioned Cincinnati as maybe a game they won't win. So you think the Vikings are better than Detroit? They've got them twice. Well, I mean, it is Detroit. You know, I don't know that they're better than Detroit. Detroit looks really good right now. I think Detroit, you know, I watched them against Tampa Bay this last week, and Detroit's beatable. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you're playing at Kansas City, when you're playing against a healthy San Fran, when you're playing at a Philadelphia, those are the games that I deem as not really great chances to win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Detroit is Detroit. Um, You know, they're good. I don't think they're great. So, you know, I'm not saying right now I think the Vikings are better than Detroit, but I don't chalk those up as games that are going to be, you know, when Cincinnati is now finding its role and we go to Cincinnati with Joe Burrow and their team, you know, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. That, that almost gets to that category where I'm like, you know what, I'm not I'm going to chalk that one up, you know, as a loss. And if you win, it's a bonus. But, no, I don't look at Detroit as, an, as unwinnable games. Uh, no, not unwinnable, certainly, but we'll be the underdog against them, I would think, yeah. once we get there. But those games are so far in the future. Now, who knows what happens between now and week 16 uh, when they play Detroit at home for the first time. There's a lot of football to be played between here and there. So who would you take? Would you take Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff as your quarterback? Well, right now, um, you know, I don't know. Neither of them scramble well. Cousins, yeah. from an accuracy standpoint, okay. I, I'm okay with either of them. I don't necessarily say, you know what, uh, Goff would give you a big, uh, a, a big boost. Um, you know, when Cousins has time and can stand in the pocket and fire it, he's good. Huh. When Goff has time, can stand in the pocket and fire it, he's good. So, um, you know, I, I, I call that probably about a horse apiece. Yeah. Um, they have good weapons surrounding Goff. We have good rep- weapons surrounding Cousins. Um, but, you know, they have stepped up. They caught a Kansas City team opening week without Chris Jones, who, you know, wreaked havoc against the Vikings. Yep. Um, you know, they, they haven't been crazy impressive. You know, we should have beaten Tampa Bay. They barely beat. I mean, they did beat Tampa Bay, but it wasn't convincing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like they routed them. So, you know, I kind of I, I call that a coin flip between the two of those. Yeah. Who do you like then? You think the Vikes uh, have a chance against San Francisco on Monday night? You know, it'll be a tough test. If they play well, yes, they have a chance. If I was a betting man and and had to put it just on who's going to win the game, you know, obviously I would err in the favor of San Fran this Mm. week. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk uh, Gophers a little bit. I know you're a Gopher football fan, uh, too. It's been kind of a rough ride for them so far. They could turn it around, though, with a win down in Iowa City on Saturday. They could, and, and the Iowa quarterback, who's a transfer from Michigan, is out. Their top two tight ends are out. They offensively cannot move the ball, but they have a great defense. I believe the total what, 32.5 or something, which yep. is a ridiculously low total. Right. Uh, Iowa, Iowa's got an unbelievable punter. If they get, you know, if the Gophers get a 7 to 10 point lead, we can win that game. Yeah. But the key is can we score on them? And, um, you know, and then you just keep them off the board because their offense is just not existent at this point and with the like i said the quarterback towards acl he's done tight ends you know we all know uh, iowa is tight end university yeah i mean you look at all the tight ends that come out of there and their top two are down so i don't think there's going to be much to offer as excitement and explosion in that game it's just going to be a matter of who can put some points on the board because i think both teams are going to be able to shut down the other one's yeah. offense don't make any mistakes uh, and you know, it comes down to that a lot. I mean, 
you know, the reason that coaches, when you ask for keys to the game, they, they say turnovers first, win the turnover battle, because it does make such a huge difference. It's a football cliche, but it became that way because it's so true. And so far, the Gophers have struggled with that a little bit. Yeah, the Gophers and the Vikings, right? Yep, I mean, yep. Minnesota football struggles uh, with the turnover battle right now. Yep. And for the Gophers to win, you can't turn it over and give Iowa free points because if they get free points, their defense can suffocate you and clamp you down. So if we can take care of the ball and do what we do, you know, um, P.J. Flex, uh, you know, their offense can establish a running game against most teams. Um, you know, like to see the quarterback be a little more accurate. We don't have an explosive offense, but, you know, maybe it sets up for us if we could put together a couple of, you know, 17-play drives and, and run it down their throat and, you know, find some uh, passes here and there to, to move it. And, you know, even field goals, you know, this this could be a 13-6 to six game easily. Yeah, yeah. And so just a matter of, you know, put yourself in spots to be able to get points uh, let your defense take over, and and uh, you know it, that's definitely a winnable game. I think it's about a field goal uh, field goal favorite for Iowa. So I mean, it's not a uh, you know even Vegas and all the uh, the betters out there are looking at it to be a, a tight game. So a turnover here or there can definitely flip the game. Do you think that Ethan Kaliak Manis will still be the goal for quarterback next season? Uh, he needs to improve his accuracy. Uh, he, He's okay. I keep hearing about this big arm, but a big arm when you're throwing an eight-yard crossing route and you're trying to fire in a fastball that nobody's going to handle doesn't do you any good. So he needs to develop as a quarterback, as a passer, get some touch. Um, you know, he's got the tools, but right now he's just not putting it all together to be successful. So I do think you know the rest of this uh, season is is his full job interview for next year on if he gets that job or not. Yeah, and at this point, I would say he doesn't get the job. But it all depends on recruiting. Can you bring in uh, somebody uh, that's any better? I just look at his throwing mechanics, and he's just he does not have good throwing mechanics. He's got a low delivery. His footwork is often his hips open up awful quickly. His front foot points a little wide. All of those things create that inaccuracy that you're referencing. So uh, I, I hope he can work on it and get better. He's a great kid. I love listening to him speak. He's very intelligent, uh, obviously a terrific leader, kind of like Tanner Morgan. He, he, he checked all those boxes too, those leadership qualities, that, that ability to get his team to follow him. But he didn't have a big arm or, or, or wasn't really fast. Kalik Menace has a little more size, but he's not very accurate with the football. So still some things to work on, obviously, for him. Yeah, and, and you know, it goes the same thing with Cousins. You know, we hear people say a lot, you want to replace the quarterback. Well, like you talked about, yeah, who are you that gonna sounds get? great, but who are you going to get? <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, it's, it sounds great to say, hey, we don't like this guy, get him out of there. But if you're not going to have, if you don't have anybody waiting in the wings, it's better. You know, you stick with what you got. Uh, Sean, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Todd. Sean Bolson joining us on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.